Welcome to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the latest marketing trends, tools, and tips, and provide you with the top resources you need to thrive and make your marketing mesmerizing. And now, here's your host, Dimple Dang. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Renita Hora, and she is a writer. She is an author. She's published nine books. She's also a great storyteller and um, executive producer and founder. So welcome, Renita. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Dimple, thank you so much for having me on your show today. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Indeed, I am a writer, executive producer of stories in various ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, I write books, I write screenplays, I write audio shows, and have a history of storytelling that has touched all of those and continues to do so. So touched all of those historically and continues to do so today. In the past, I have held jobs as head of marketing at various companies, nonprofits. I've been a journalist for many years, radio primarily, but also print crossover. And in the last few years, actually since mid-pandemic, I have decided specifically to focus on my own IP, which again, as I mentioned, books, audio shows, and screenplays, both on the nonfiction side as well as on the fiction side, although fiction is a whole lot more fun. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And, you know, when it comes to storytelling, right, that's such an important element of writing a book, of telling a story. Every book has a story, right? So do you have a, like a framework for that that you like to use, or how did you become such a great storyteller? Okay. How did I become such a great storyteller? I think that is just a work in progress, if I'm to be completely honest. Storytelling is perhaps the oldest legacy that we as humans have. It's our oldest form of communication. It's our whole oldest form of historical recollection and sort of documenting anything, right? Before we had the written word or signs, symbols, or somewhere along the way it was storytelling the or in its oral form being passed down over the ages. So storytelling to me really is the key component of anything, whether it is a marketing process, whether you are building a business, whether you are applying for a job, whether you are trying to develop good, solid, healthy relationships within your family or your extended circle. A lot of it is about storytelling. You'll notice that even in the arena of nonfiction, I mean, when it comes to coaching and business coaching and success coaching, things that are very popular and topical today, a lot of it centers around storytelling, how you tell your story, how you frame your story, that sort of thing. So, I mean, this is a whole topic that would take sort of ages to sort of get into and dig into, you know, deep. But... You know, whether you have two minutes, whether you have two hours, whether you have 2,000 words or 20 words, 20 might be a little bit short, but still 200 words or 2,000 words or 20,000 words, you've got to bear in mind that a good story has a beginning, middle, and end, right? And the end 
doesn't necessarily have to be an end sort of giving closure and sort of wrapping everything neatly into a bow as much as perhaps paving the way for continuation, i.e. another new beginning, right? So in a nutshell, that is sort of the very basic requirement of any good story. Then, of course, you get into it a lot more deeply. There are several, you know, methodologies out there, formats, Save the Cat, The Hero's Journey, etc. Plenty of things that you can find through research and online. And for storytellers, whether you're writers, oral storytellers, business coaches, whatever, you know, entrepreneurs, whatever, you know, your background or might be or your goals might be, there are different methodologies out there that you can find and some which you like that grab you, you prefer more than others, but all of them, the basis is a beginning, middle, end for a very solid story. Does that help? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, Renita, thank you so much for sharing that about storytelling. I agree. I mean, every story does have a beginning, middle and end. And, you know, it's just so important, though. People sometimes forget that storytelling is also powerful, even in sales and even in everyday life and what they do. Because if you can tell stories, people are going to remember stories. But if you're just trying to sell someone on something or sharing information, they're not going to relate to that. They're not going to remember stories or something people can relate to and it draws them in. So, you know, tell me a little bit more about your project as looking at your website and there's one in there called Operation Mom that I thought was really, really very cute because it's about a story about, you know, fixing up your single mom. And I feel like that's something that is relatable because I'm sure a lot of daughters have tried to do that. I know I've at some point, you know, even put an ad like when I was younger, like I put an ad in like, you know, paper, I didn't tell my mom. And then she started getting all these inquiries and she had no idea. And I did that for her, but I didn't tell her until after the fact. So because I was trying to fix her up, right? So tell me about, you know, what inspired you to write that story? And, and what is the story about for the audience? Absolutely. It's interesting that you asked the question, uh, Dimple, because the story of Operation Mom has become a story in and unto itself. This is a fiction book, or I should say it started out as a fiction book, purely fiction, about a 17-year-old girl in contemporary Mumbai who wants to get her annoying, obsessive, single mom off her back, so she decides to set her up through the dating apps. Uh, it's sort of taking that old sort of South Asian trope, if you will, of the mothers setting up the daughters, which is more typically what you would expect in the South Asian culture and sort of turning it on its head. And it is a YA rom-com, which one reviewer described as more calm than rom. I really liked that description and I'm going with it. And I wrote this book. It's, like I said, young adult crossover, actually, because although it you know, my protagonist is a 17-year-old girl. You've also got the mom as a very strong protagonist. And she's sort of in her mid-40s. And so you've got this crazy mother-daughter dynamic about how, you know, there's constant conflict between the two, yet they are the same woman cut from, you know, two women, I should say, cut from the same cloth. <laughs> so Operation Mom started out as a fiction book. I published it uh, with HarperCollins in India and also with Gen Z Publishing here in the United States. That was last year, and since then it has gone on to win five awards. 
three grand prizes, mostly in the romance category, but also the Indie Reader Discovery Award and the Chanticleer International Book Awards for satire and young adult, the young adult category. Because there was so much interest in this, I also decided to work with an audio producer on an audio project which will be episodic. This will be based on the original story set in Mumbai. And the plan is to actually produce a narrative fiction podcast in 10 episodes, 10 to 12 episodes, I should say, in English or actually in Hinglish, sort of Hindi-English combination first and then uh, hopefully go on to do it in Spanish as well. My podcast collaborator, production collaborator, knows the Spanish-speaking markets very well. I know nothing about the Spanish-speaking markets, and she's convinced that uh, this is the kind of story that would resonate with those audiences as well. And then going beyond that, I because there was all this interest in Operation Mom, I actually developed a screenplay version, which was a little bit different in that the story, the nuggets of the story are essentially the same, but it sets the story here in the U.S., actually in Hoboken, New Jersey, where there is a sizable South Asian population. And that screenplay went on to win the Santa Barbara International Screenplay Awards and was a runner-up and finalist in the New York International Screenplay Awards, LA International Screenplay Awards, and a few others. And there is now interest sort of filtering in from producers to possibly take it further. Nothing, nothing firm yet, but all that information's on my website. And so if anyone's listening and you're interested, let me know. Well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, that's amazing and great job on, on that. And, you know, have to unpack this a little bit. So you said about the, you know, mixing it with English and, and Hindi and stuff like that. So because, you know, I'm, I'm also Indian, so I speak Hindi. But of course, like when I first, you know, came to America, my parents were like, you know, no, don't speak Hindi, speak English, because they wanted you to really learn the language. And many people don't realize, like in India, like I started, you know, kindergarten there in India, they teach you the language, like English, right? So because it's it's a little bit more common there. So what what's the term that you used for that? And, and can you explain, like, is it going to be what, mixed half English, half, half, like whatever language, whatever words come out from whichever words that, that are known or... It is a great question, Dimple, and I am thinking through the answer to this every single day because I haven't written the audio script yet. We have said it's going to be Hinglish, and the reason for that is that, of course, we want to appeal to audiences in general, not just South Asian audiences. But the South Asian audience in and of itself is a complex animal. And what I mean by that is South Asians in South Asia, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, you know, they might understand the language colloquially, at least in India, with Hindi, Urdu, you know, India, Pakistan. But outside of South Asia, we have a very, very large diaspora ethnic South Asians, but they might not be uh, up to snuff with the language. However, there is familiarity, words, sentences, phrases, bits and pieces that they've picked up from Bollywood movies or whatever, right? So the idea is to really write the script in a combo of Hindi-English that is basic and colloquial and international enough to be accepted by Indians locally, 
as well as the South Asian diaspora worldwide. It's tough. It is tough. Now, the good thing is that the story set in Mumbai, which in and of itself is a little bit of a melting pot of India, you know, it's not your Shuddha Hindi, true, like, you know, if you grew up in the North, you know, your Hindi was a whole lot better than if you grew up in Bombay. See, I'm even saying Bombay because when I grew up there, that's what we called it, right? That's what it was. Now it's Mumbai. So there are things like this which will be filtered through the script, uh, which is very much evident in the book manuscript, if you read the book, um, that we're going to carry through in the audio script as well. Great. Thank you. Love that. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the technology behind, you know, authoring and all these things. And also, I mean, everyone's talking about AI. So I'm curious to know if you've discovered any AI, you know, tools or apps or anything to, you know, make it easier for, for your industry, for the things that you do. But maybe you can walk us through even, you know, back when you first launched your first book. If someone's looking to launch a book, what are like some initial steps or what are some things they should look into? Is there any technology they can use? Are, are even apps nowadays, like mean apps meaning like AI platforms? Yeah, there's a lot. And as you have rightly said, I mean, this is an increasingly a, a topic that is being talked about and can be quite contentious. Authors have a lot of opinions as to what's right, what isn't, you should, you shouldn't. Of course, everybody knows about ChatGPT. Um, that's your basic AI program. And then there are others which are some of them some of them might be derivatives or some of them might be similar or just have a similar concept. There's Pseudowrite, there's Google Bard, there is something called Plotter, and I'll talk a little bit more about these. But suffice it to say, none of these existed until very recently. So certainly when I wrote my first book, it was very much, it's you and your laptop and how do you fill in that blank page? So you start with an outline, then I always start with an outline and authors will do one of two things. I mean, these are common terms. Either you're a plotter or you're a pantser. So a plotter is someone who writes an outline and then sort of develops the material based on that outline. I find that sort of to be more systematic and just keeps me on track. Otherwise, it, you know, but there are other authors, the pantsers, who will just write by the seat of their pants and just write and see where the story goes. Some of them are brilliant at that. I am not because, like I said, it, it just would lead me astray. I don't know where I'm going. I get lost in the forest, in the desert. It's lovely, but I'm off track, <laughs> right? There is a great tool called Plotter, P-L-O-T-T-R, I believe it's uh, spelled that way. And this is an AI tool that actually helps you plot your story. And chapter by chapter, according to some of these different methodologies that I mentioned earlier, Save the Cat, Hero's Journey, etc., you know, your sort of outline of choice, if you will, storytelling outline of choice, and the idea is that once you plot, then you can stay on track. And does, it's not as if to say you won't waver or you know, the chapter has to be exactly like, you know, what you put in your outline. Of course, you know, you can, you know, develop it outside of that. And you know, that's the whole fun of sort of writing, especially fiction. Nonfiction is a bit of a different animal. You really want to stay on track and keep it tight, right? And then with the AI platforms, I think, 
you know, like I said, there's a lot of opinion about them. A lot of authors, editors, writers, people in the industry who say, oh, no, this is not good. This is bad because it's going to take over our jobs and things like that. And can it even produce anything decent? You can experiment with AI. And the thing is, AI, I think, is here to stay. It is not going away. So instead of complaining and sort of seeing it as the enemy, and why not try and see if we can use it to our advantage? I have been playing around and I find that it can perhaps, not ideally, but certainly help me create somewhat of an outline. I find that I have to go into a platform like ChatGPT or Bard over and over again to keep refining because it's a machine. It's machine learning, right? And it's a machine after all, and it's never going to give me exactly what I want or it doesn't know the characters that are in my head or what, <laughs> what my ideas are. So I have to write, refine, write, refine, write, refine, instruct, refine, instruct, refine a lot. But sure, I can use it for help to come up with somewhat of a basic outline. The other thing I find is if I have written something and I need to put it through an editing process for typos and sentence structure and things like that, it can be helpful there. Certainly, I would still rely on a good solid human editor because that solid human editor can pick up things like voice, pacing, plotting, this hasn't been fleshed out enough, you know, this is showing, this is not showing and telling, you know, basic things that are very important in the development of any story. Chat GPT or any AI program thus far has not been able to pick up on things like that. But can we use it to help us? Absolutely. I would not. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love AI, but I always say like you also have to put your own human intelligence into it. You can't just take what it gives you and use that. And I even, you know, I've heard of a lot of people are writing books, you know, using entirely AI, but um that's not really the right way to do it. I mean, you can write an outline, you can, you know, write something, but then you need to take it, put it in your own words put your own stories in there, you know, put your own, your, you know, your own tone of voice because it's not meant to be a tool just to take it out and flush out books and sell them directly, but it's a tool that's used to guide you and to help you. So I think for people, it's about learning how to use AI the right way, but if they learn how to use it, it can really cut their time in half in terms of, you know, what we used to do everything back in the day manually. Now, you know, this can do that and it can save someone half, half the time if they are trying to write a book or just even flesh out their ideas about something and character ideas. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Dimple. And also on the nonfiction side, you know, a lot of research needs to be done, citations, references, things like that. And sort of in the old days, we would be sort of Google searching or whatever. That might be the starting point, I should say. But AI can help a lot. I mean, if I'm writing a book about nutrition, I'm just making it up. It could be any nonfiction topic, you know, and I'm looking for articles or source material or whatever. AI can help a lot come up with those resources, a list of them more efficiently, quicker than in the older days when I was, you know, trying to Google search everything. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And so when it comes to like publishing a book, right, besides putting it on Amazon, where do you recommend that people, you know, get their book out there? And then once it's out there, how do you recommend they market and promote their book to, to get more people to know about it? 
Absolutely. So, of course, online stores like Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Bookshop.org. I mean, those are your basic, basic. But there are a lot more platforms out there to A, put your book on or an excerpt of your book on or B, use to help market. So, for example, there's Medium, there's Substack. These are online content platforms that also serve as newsletters or places that you can help build an audience where there are readers already. Uh, you can put excerpts of your material out there that then lead to your wherever your book is. It's on Amazon or it's on Barnes and Nobles, whatever it might be. That's one example. There are other platforms that uh, readers use and authors also have their books at already. For example, Chapter by Episode. Chapter by Episode is a digital platform for genre fiction. Genre fiction means paranormal, mystery, thriller, romance, etc. You know, genre. Um, and... The stories are delivered in the style of chat fiction. Now, what is chat fiction, you say? Chat fiction looks like a chat, a text messaging system between Dimple and Renita. So what you see on your phone, it looks like a text between the two of us. Character A, character B, character A, character B. It's not long-form text. So your book might be written in long-form text. I mean, books usually are, right? But the whole idea behind chapter by episode is it's kind of difficult perhaps to read all of that on a phone. So an excerpt of that story or a shorter version of that story written in the chat fiction form sort of elicits the interest of the reader and then you can connect to, you know, the complete book wherever it's housed, again, on Barnes & Nobles or, or Amazon, whatever it might be. The other thing is, of course, podcasts, and there are many podcasts out there which help to market, talk to authors about, you know, inspirations behind your story, so on and so forth. I would love to highlight the True Fiction Project podcast, which is my podcast a little bit, because this really explores the journey from nonfiction to fiction, from unscripted to scripted. On the fiction side, all of our stories come out of the inspiration of our daily lives. What happens in our real worlds? That is the nonfiction aspect of it, right? The thing is, many writers have, and you know that everybody knows this term, writer's block. What do I write? What do I write? Especially for newer writers. And you'll find that some of the more seasoned writers or, you know, those who've been writing for a while will almost tend to be dismissive and say, what do you mean writer's block? There's no such thing. Of course, it's easy to say that when you've been at it for so many years, but uh, as a newer writer, I totally see where they're coming from. So the idea behind the True Fiction Project is to really give a platform to writers um, to develop stories on a shorter basis and put them out in audio form. I invite a guest such as Dimple onto the show because Dimple has a great story and then we have a Q&A, perhaps similar to this, except the focus really is a story from Dimple's life that we have sort of predetermined and we're going to talk about that. Then I have a roster of fiction writers who listen to that Q&A and one of them sort of raises their hand to develop a fictional piece based upon something that inspired them from the interview. And I say fictional piece because it could be 
A full-on short story could be a scene, it could be a monologue, it could be a piece of poetry, creative license, right? Any kind of fiction. We audiofy it, and then the episode pieces together the nonfiction Q&A as well as the audio fiction. And that is the True Fiction Project, which on the face of it sounds like an oxymoron, and that is intentional. <laughs> love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. And once you have all these books, right, where, what do you do with them? What do I do with them? Well, writing a book, although it seems really difficult, and it is really difficult, let me know. It's in terms of like for the audience, like in terms of promoting the book, right? Because everyone wants to write a book, but I don't think people realize you also need to have a marketing strategy and plan to promote your book to get it out there because it's not magically going to get viewers. Unless like you already have a huge following, then yes, but most people don't have a huge following. Correct. Correct. And, and this is what I was getting to is that, you know, writing the book is one thing, but sort of writing it and putting it away on the bookshelf is tantamount to nothing. And many, many authors seasoned as well, and certainly the newer ones who've written more than one book might fall into the trap. I'm not saying everyone will of their backlist, just sort of sitting there and not having it generate sort of income from them. And that it goes against the whole purpose of being an author. So marketing your book is incredibly important. And alas, there is no manual for this is the way you do it. There is no magical formula. It's how all about how you as an author connect with your audiences. So it could be exactly like this. I'm on a podcast, I'm on a radio show, I'm on a TV show, I'm in a bookstore doing signings and talking to my audiences in some way, shape or form about my book, about my stories, etc. There are many, many ways to do this online and they range from ads they, you know, to articles that I might write about a topic that connects to my book. So Operation Mom is fiction. But, you know, there might be nonfiction teen magazines or dating websites that require content, that need content that I as an author could contribute to because somehow I can reference my book and link them back to my book wherever it's available. I find, and I know other authors have said this as well, one of the best ways to connect with your audience is directly through your own newsletter email program. Because the thing is, Dimple, if you picked up my book and you read it or you read an excerpt and you liked it, then chances are that you want more, right? So if I can connect with you on a regular basis, whether that's monthly or once a quarter, whatever it might be, you know, and offer you bonus chapters or similar content, you are likely going to want to A, read, the, read that content and B, raise your hand to buy my next book <laughs> when that's out. So it's very important for me to keep in touch with you. And I think, you know, authors might say, well, I wrote the book, you know, it's available in the bookstore and now it's over, but is it really over? Because that conversation with your reader, I don't think, I mean, it's up to you to choose whether it's over or not. If you choose for it not to be over, you can continue it. You can always write bonus content, bonus material, bonus chapters. 
you can always create another chapter which features these lovable characters that I knew Dimple fell in love with because she loved that book and she wrote a review or whatever it might be. But here's a whole new spin on them. So Mother's Day, for example, which was last month, I reached out to my readers of Operation Mom, you know, Mom, that was topical. And Queen Charlotte was the big show on TV, on Netflix. And I actually created a bonus chapter featuring my characters, the mother-daughter character, Vina and Ela, and specifically talking about Queen Charlotte and, you know, having an argument, which they often do, about, you know, why Queen Vina is so much like Queen Charlotte and, you know, she's getting on my case. And so the mother-daughter conflict, which is sort of featured throughout the book in comedy form. So, yes, reaching out directly to your readers, I think, is an incredible way of doing it. Yeah, thank you so much. And is there anything else you want to share as far as any tips in terms of technology or, you know, in terms of writing a book and any other projects that you wanted to, you know, discuss before we wind down? In terms of technology, I mean, I would strongly advise writers to look at some of the tools that I had mentioned because I think they can be incredibly helpful. Things like Plotter, things like Pseudorite, things like Bard. I mean, this can really help. I'm not going to say, okay, okay, I'm not going to use the words eliminate, but choose my words carefully, but it can help them be more efficient with the editing process, right? Even if I'm going to hire you as an editor, if I can give you a manuscript that is edited as best as possible by myself, then it makes your life easier and it makes my hiring you just way more efficient, <laughs> right? So I would strongly suggest looking at some of these tools because they can be very helpful. It's whatever you make of them. And I would also like to put out there that there are seasoned writers, editors, and podcast platforms, digital platforms, such as the ones I've mentioned, chapter by episode in the True Fiction Project, that are out there that are looking for good, solid work, stories, and storytellers to contribute. So don't think only in terms of a book. A book is fa fantastic and fascinating, but can take a long time and can be a very daunting process. I'm not saying you shouldn't like aim to write a book, absolutely, but there are other ways of getting your story out there in conjunction with your book or before your book or certainly after as well. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense because that shouldn't be the only thing because people always say they want to write a book. What they don't realize is it is a big project that takes a lot of time. And if they don't have the time, then the book never gets done. But instead, why not do a mini project or maybe a, you know, like an ebook or something to start with that's about your niche or your topic and then build off from there, like grow your email list with that and then go, you know, forward that way. That's what I would think. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more, Dimple. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Well, if there's anything I missed that you, you know, you wanted to let us know that you're working on, go ahead. 
I am working on a few different things. Most importantly, what's coming out next is season two of Shadow Realm, which is my narrative fiction YA fantasy fiction project. Shadow Realm part one is already out there. And season two will drop in the fall. We're going through the editing process right now. It is young adult fantasy. It is quite dark in that season one was not as dark, but season two is getting darker, (laughs) you know, and the sound editing process is pretty amazing anyway. So that's something to look out for. As are my upcoming books, I'm working on a historical fiction love story set against the backdrop of the Jallianwala Bagh massacre of 1919. That's something to look out for. That'll probably be out next year sometime. Anyway, all of these projects you can find on my website, www.renita, which is my name, .com, R-E-E-N-I-T-A. It also will lead you to all of my various social media accounts. There are plenty of those, <laughs> the, the usual suspects. And film screenplays, audio projects, books, all of them. So also, in terms of communicating directly with my audiences, I very actively do that. So would love for you to be part of that. The sign up to my newsletter program is on the front page of my website, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And I will make sure I link your website in the show notes and also your social media channel so people can connect with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dimple. It's been a pleasure to be on your show today. Thank you for listening to the Mesmerizing Marketing Podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show so you don't ever miss an episode. And also share it with your friends. Dimple would be so grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review and visit the podcast website to check out all the latest episodes at www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. That's www.mesmerizingmarketingpodcast.com. And follow Dimple on Clubhouse. Her handle is Marketing Expert. And also join her Mesmerizing Marketing Club, also on Clubhouse, for live rooms on top marketing strategies for entrepreneurs and business owners who want to mesmerize their marketing. Thank you.